Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And that's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I'm Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow, and we have a special guest on the line. Last year's NASCAR, or, excuse me, last year's ARCA Racing Series champion, Austin Terrier, will join the show tonight. He won seven races, had 19 top 10 finishes, and 20 races. Austin, nice to you tonight. Austin, how are you? Hey, guys. Good to be with you tonight. Thank you. Uh, first and foremost, you know, so we'll talk about it early, real early in your career. How did somebody from Fort Kent, Maine, make it all the way to stock car racing, where, you know, primarily in North Carolina, how did that all start for you? Well, I'll tell you what. A lot of the puzzle pieces came together um, right after high school. And actually, I spent two years racing um, the American Canadian Tour up in New England. And uh, for most people that are, that are from that area, they may be familiar with the tour. And, and I, in the process of doing that, met a lot of people, some of which I still remain in contact with. But and also out of that, uh, out of that group of people, met one or two guys that opened some doors for me down in North Carolina. And um, you know, it goes to show that man, there's so many talented people uh, throughout the country, and you know, that are trying to get to the next level and 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 try to get opportunities, but. Um, sometimes it's just the, by chance you, you meet the right person. And for me, that happened, uh, you know, around 2011, um, finally made, made the move to North Carolina in 2012 and, um, tried to, so basically you believe it or not, I kind of the conventional story you hear every once in a while, uh, started sweeping floors, working on cars, cleaning rubber off the, off the cars at, uh, Brad Keselowski racing, uh, at the time. You know, it was still there, and it, it actually had a late model, um, late model car. It had a couple, and we raced. We raced out of that shop, and from there it was history. Austin, tell us about the move from hitting the late model car with Brad Keselowski to getting in the truck at BKR, and um, having been a part of BKR, how sad is it to see it go away? Well, anytime. Uh, a team established team leaves the sport. It's, it's very difficult. Um, cause I think it, you know, it sends shockwaves across the whole industry and, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a tough time. You know, we, we've seen a, a couple teams shut down in the truck series, especially red horse racing, uh, BKR. I mean, there's, uh, there's a few more, uh, but it, it's always difficult, but, you know, I hope, I hope to see people rally around and, and I know there's a lot of changes going on, you know, within within NASCAR and some of the uh, other stuff they're trying to bring into the series, the truck series is going to a, um, a different motor package next year. Uh, hopefully it's going to help them with the cost. But my time at BKR was great. Um, even, like you said, with the late models, <laughs> I learned a lot. I met a lot of good people. Uh, many, many to this day I still stay in contact with. Um, and that did open the door for me because Ryan Blaney moved, moved on to the, uh, you know, Penske organization and the Xfinity uh, cars back in 2000 and, 
15. And so that, that did open a door for me. We actually kind of, we didn't really split, but we went our separate separate ways in 2014 and I dabbled around and, and some part-time Xfinity rides and, and uh, you know, just trying to kind of get my feet under me at the time, but it was a good move to come back to the truck series and, and um, you know, we had some success and, and certainly some things, some things happened that were, uh, you know, out of all of our control, but here I am, uh, here I am in 2018 and, and, you know, still had many opportunities to uh, try to prove what I could do on the racetrack. You had a bad accident in Las Vegas in the truck series uh, a few years back. You you missed a couple of races. Do you think that accident changed your career at all? Um, You know, and how did that lead to, you know, going into ARCA? Well, no, no doubt. I mean, it, it certainly changed uh, my career, and it would change anybody else's. Now, you know, it's hard to really dig down and, and figure out did it help me or did it hurt me because there's no telling. You know, there's different, much different circumstances that, that could have happened, uh, you know, that would have not gone in my favor. So it's really hard to say. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, it, it, it certainly put me in a, in a position – However, it worked out to uh, to capitalize in the ARCA series this year. Um, it's pretty doubtful that, that all the circumstances would have come together if I would have stayed where I was at to win a championship in the ARCA series. Um, so, yeah, you know what? A championship is I'll, – I'll take a championship any day in a, in a series that runs across the country uh, full-time and, and with as much history that the ARCA series brings to the table. I think it's um, – it's not going to hurt my, my career or, or at least what people, uh, when people look back and, and see what we accomplished, I think it's, it's going to be great to have that on my resume. And, um, we're fortunate, fortunate, like I, like I said, my career and so many others in this sport is, is based off of relationships. And, and I've met a lot of good people. Um, and my experiences this year with Kenny and, and the you know Donnie Richardson at, at Schrader Racing has been amazing. Now, you won the ARCA championship last year. Two things of it. Describe what it felt like winning the championship, and where's the trophy sitting at in the house? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's funny. A funny thing. When I moved down here, I I got myself an apartment, and it's it's pretty small. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking around right now. And uh, I don't have much room to bring in trophies. We won a we won a jukebox. I think it was at Kentucky this year, and it's still sitting at the race shop right now because I don't have any place to put it. Um, <laughs> one of these days, when I when I settle down and get a house, it'll be good to see all the trophies in there. But uh, right now, the race shop's got a lot more room, and and uh, you know people come in and out of there visit uh, visit Kenny's cars that he used to race in, and it's good to see you know all of our trophies from this year. Sitting, sitting at the race shop. You mentioned Kenny Schrader, and obviously, you know, he gave you an opportunity last year. How did that relationship start, and what has he meant to your career? Well, it started around this time, uh, basically December of last year, and you know, I, I've told this story a couple times, and and you know, even talk, kind of talked about it at the banquet because I think uh, you know, it's it's a cool story. It goes back to uh, never give up, and that attitude I think got me pretty far in the in the sport and in life in general. Because um, you know, certainly we have to make changes in our lives, and sometimes it takes us down different roads. But you know, back in 2016, I wasn't ready to give up 
by any means, even after even after the injury in, in Vegas uh, the year before. So I went down to PRI for uh, basically kind of like a last ditch effort and uh, was walking down the halls. And if you're, I'm sure you're familiar with PRI, but for, for the people that know, that don't know, it's uh, basically a huge trade show in Indianapolis and uh, going on the same weekend normally as the ARCA banquet. So a lot of the ARCA teams were down there. So Kenny, Kenny was there and met him randomly in uh, just in the, in the center of the, of the large hall where probably hundreds, if not thousands of people have walked through that day. And it just so happened at that specific time, ran into him, tapped him on the shoulder and introduced myself. And um, from there, we just kind of started some discussions and it wasn't maybe a week or two after we realized that uh, it didn't look like there was going to be anything else on our horizons. Yeah. I I didn't have any NASCAR offers and he didn't have any other drivers that, you know, looked like it was going to work out for for them to come drive for him so we uh we put a deal together in january at this time and um you know from there's history and he he's meant a lot you know he he put uh he put a lot of time and and effort and and um you know some of their some of his own sponsors came together uh he 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 really worked hard on on getting us a full season which at the beginning of the year a lot of people didn't realize that uh, it kind of looked a little iffy, even after Daytona winning winning Daytona. There there was a few races that really didn't look like it was going to work for us, but everybody just dug deep, including him, and we uh, we made it happen for the whole year. So you win the championship. Most people think you'd be right there, ready for it to catapult your career into something major. Uh, right now, any plans set up for this year, or anything you want to announce? Well, I certainly, I certainly wish that was the case, because um, I'd love, I'd love to announce. But you know, right now, um, there's not, there's not anything that I can announce. And um, certainly, there's a lot of people I think that were disappointed to, to learn that I wasn't going to be back in the 52. And uh, it would have been great. You know, I felt like we could have, uh, we could have worked, you know, a little bit harder during the off season and and even improved our program even more. But it just didn't. It just wasn't coming together for us, and um, you know, it, it was it was the right move for for Kenny to bring. I think a rookie driver in, um, and I, and I told him and Donnie, you know, I'm going to work to the best of my ability, and if time allows, to continue to help them, and 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 whatever drivers they have along, if if they so if they want me to be a part of it, I'd, I'd love to to try to coach and give my two cents of, of how I feel like, uh, you know, they can continue to improve their program as well as the drivers. But right now I'm, I'm just taking every day, trying to pound the pavement. Um, you know, we, we know, we know that, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, cause, cause it does provide a lot, a lot of opportunities for companies to, to, uh, get their name out and advertise, uh, you know, for sponsors across the industry. It's just, uh, right now that's, that's what I'm working on. I'm working on getting the, um, you know, partners and, and the sponsors to uh, to go ahead and run next year. And, and right now uh, I don't have that together. So, you know what, I'll tell you what, um, 2015 in, in, in October, November, I was, uh, I was at a position where I didn't think I was ever going to race again. The doctors, you know, fortunately I, I had, I could walk and after breaking my back, but you know, the doctors were like, really, do you want to do this? Do you want to continue racing? And, you know, I, I know what it's like to um, to really struggle and kind of be at wit's end, not knowing what you're going to do. So 
I've lived through it and I've been here before and it's, it's made me stronger, but it's also made me realize the opportunities that I've had um, and be, be grateful for them because you never know when your last opportunity to win a race, uh, win a championship and even be at the racetrack. You never know actually when, when your last opportunity to get behind the wheel, strap in and put your seatbelts on is going to be. So who knows what the next, you know, what, what, what tomorrow brings, what, what, the next race will be, but I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to give it my all. And, uh, you know, if things work out awesome, I think I can bring a lot to the table, uh, to, to whatever team that may be, you know, my experiences and, and my knowledge, but I'll tell you what, we're going to go down fighting and, and we'll see what happens in the end. Well, it's talking circles, Clayton Cole and John Harlow here with you speaking to 2017 ARCA racing series champion, Austin Terrio. Just a, a couple more here for me. The last 10 ARCA Series champions, of the last 10 ARCA Series champions, including yourself, only one has returned for a full-time season the year after winning the championship. Do you think there's something to that? Is is uh, is it hard to put back-to-back seasons together financially? Why do you think that is? Well, I, I, first of all, I think you brought up a good point. It's, it's so difficult to um, meet your own expectations and the team's expectations when you go back another year, because um, what I find, and it's great to see the ARCA series getting a lot of, a lot of development from, from even cup teams that are getting involved. Um, it's, it's elevating the competition. And so, you know, I, I see it from the outside, even, you know, kind of separating myself as a competitor. I, I see, I see next year um, as a very, very challenging year in the ARCA series because I know what people are going to be bringing to the racetrack and I've seen it. Um, I've walked through some race shops besides the one that I raced at this year, because I, you know, I have a lot of friends throughout the industry and I just see what, I see what people are building. So for, uh, for me, it would, it would have, even though I have very high expectations, uh, it would have been difficult. I feel like to probably go ahead and, and get the seven, eight wins again and, and uh, set the records and dominate like we did this year. Um, it's entirely possible that could have happened, but you know, between us, it, uh, I'm not so sure anybody's going to really run away with the championship this year. And so going back to your main question, I think the other part of it is definitely funding. Um, Arca is, is more affordable for, for smaller sponsors and people that are trying to kind of people that are not too sure if they can afford to, uh, you know, sponsor a NASCAR team. But at the end of the day, I think when when sponsors realize that, hey, I like I like motorsports and it and it's uh, a part of our sponsorship for the next couple of years, I think quickly they they move up on and and decide they're going to go either Xfinity racing, even Cup racing, which is a big step. But for some of these large companies, it's like, it's like a drop in the bucket in their marketing budget. Austin, you've seen some drivers like Michael McDowell who got. Uh, the big ride with Michael Waltrip racing, and then that sort of fell apart, and he became a start-and-park guy but kept himself in the garage and wound up building it into the Levine family racing deal, and now he's at Front Row Motorsports. Do you see yourself trying to do something like that? Have you already taken your physical for ARCA and NASCAR to make sure that you have helmet will travel, and if somebody says, hey, I have an open ride, and I need you to start, start it, run it for 20 laps or something just to keep your name in the mix and be at the track? Do you see that happening this year? Yeah, one of the things that um, I think people realize, and, and because of because of my experiences, even going back to uh, 
uh, racing late models up in New England where, where you have to work on your own car and you have to fix it and you have to set it up and and uh, you learn so much in that process as compared to just showing up with your helmet. So certainly pretty pretty vers- versatile in that respect. I mean, I like to be behind the wheel, but um, I think I've been able to bring a lot to certain teams, you know, even beyond that. So certainly uh, in order to get an opportunity, you have to be at the racetrack. And, man, if it if it takes me spotting a few weeks to get the next opportunity – you know, that's that's how it works in this sport. And the guys that don't, I guess there's nothing wrong with it. You know, if, if you feel like you have a different calling in life and you move on to something else, um, there's some guys that do that and they're successful. So, you know, for me, if, if I'm going to keep doing this, I, I need to be at the racetrack in any, any way possible so, so I'm ready for the next opportunity. And in case you missed it earlier today, it was announced uh, from Ken Schrader Racing at Brandon Grosso, We'll run uh, the number 52 car that Austin ran last year, full-time in the ARCA series. Uh, do you think, is, is your ultimate goal here, and, and it's the landscape of these young drivers here in the last decade has really changed due to development deals. I mean, we've seen him here. You mentioned Ryan Blaney earlier. He got one with Penske, and that's really catapulted his career. Uh, is that your ultimate goal, just to look at it and try and get a development deal here? Or do you still think the old-school way of, maybe, you know, not having one uh, and, and kind of keeping your options open still works. What are your thoughts on that? That's, that's a tough question because I, I feel like both, both roads can kind of be, can, can be successful. I mean, the development route now is, is getting tied to the manufacturers. The teams are still doing it, but the manufacturers are really kind of supporting it. And, and Ford and, and Toyota, Toyota has a very strong development program. Um, Chevrolet's trying to work on theirs, I think, and, as well as Ford. So that's going to be the forefront of the sport, I think, the next five years. Now, who's going to be coming up through? I mean, there, there's definitely some people we all know who they are. But at the end of the day, if you look at who's who, – I don't want to predict, uh, I mean, because cause that's the last thing you want to do. If, if somebody else was trying to predict when I was going to retire, I wouldn't like it. But let's just be honest with each other. In the next five to ten years, there's still going to be some people that are going to – you know, be moving on and retiring. So uh, it's all about who's going to be taking their spot. And there's people that are already lined up, but I'm not so sure that's going to fill all the all the open spots up. So for people uh, in my position, we have to we have to do everything we can to still we <laughs> put ourselves in a position so that when the development rides are already taken or the drivers already have jobs uh, in the next year or two or three, we have to be there to sort of fill up the gap. And that's that's where I see myself. Austin, one of the things you saw in 2017, uh, Bubba Wallace lost his Xfinity ride because he didn't have money attached to it. Going into 2018, Danica Patrick's out of a ride. Matt Kenseth's out of a ride because they don't have money attached to them. One of the things you ran into with Schrader, it's the kid who's taking over the 52 probably has some money attached to him. How hard is it without money attached to him, to you, and describe it to the fans what it's like that you don't have this big sponsor walking in the door saying, I want Austin driving my car. Well, it, it's, uh, it's difficult personally because for, for anybody, um, you have to believe in yourself to be successful. And, and certainly I, I know what I can bring to the table. Um, I'm by no means perfect, but, but none of us are perfect. But I, but I know what I can bring from a competition standpoint as well as helping <laughs> – you know, helping sponsors 
achieve whatever they want to achieve off the racetrack. So it's uh, it's it's a little bit frustrating because you know you can really help in that respect, and 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 when somebody uh, doesn't call you and 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 sort of want to partner with you, um, that that can really be difficult. So that's why you see so many drivers trying to go out there on their own to to to, to find sponsors, and that's very difficult because you you want to be a driver, but um, at the same time, it's like you almost need a marketing degree to, to be able to get through and have meetings and, and put out presentations. And I feel like as a sport, the next five years, I know what we have to focus on is the values there. Um, and, and, it, and, and it'll increase if we can get the cost down. So, you know, just trying to get that cost basis down so that sponsors can, can really justify uh, spending a certain amount of money and, and then thus getting a certain amount of value out of it without, without having to spend a lot on top of, you know, extra stuff that, that as, as an, as an industry, we, we really don't need to do like, you know, testing every week and um, you know, motor costs that are way, way out of control. So we, we need to get some of that stuff in check. And I think if we do that, sponsors will, will, will see the value uh, and not have to spend so much money for it. Well, Lawson, I think this sport thrives on when the talent rises to the top and we have the best competition on the track as possible. And that, in this case, in my opinion, uh, you would make that happen. And so we hope on Talking Circles here that you find something solid for 2018 and don't be a stranger. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's January and, and hopefully things turn around, but Appreciate you letting me be on the show. Hey, Austin, if you want to come and give a little analysis on after the race, we're always welcome to have you on a Sunday. Okay, guys, don't don't be strangers either. Uh, you know, reach out to me as the season goes by. I'd love to be on. Great, thanks so much, Austin Terrio, 2017 ARCA Racing Series champion. Some good points there. And listen, you know, I think an actual live look at. Um, the situation that we're facing here, and, it, and it's always been prevalent in, in motorsports, no doubt. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of times throughout the years where money is, is, is the end-all, be-all and has prevailed. Um, but I think it, it's even more prevalent this year. He's talked about the rising costs. Everybody's talking about the rising costs, especially in NASCAR. NASCAR's trying with uh, the crate engines in the truck series. They got composite bodies in Xfinity this year as well. Uh, for, for the most part, they're not going to be mandatory until 2019. But um, when you look at that, those two things, you know, the costs are a big issue, um, and, but there's still some work to do, obviously. And, uh, you know, it, it prevents a guy like Austin Terrio from getting a ride, um, you know, in some cases, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. Um, and we're seeing, across the, we're seeing across everything. I mean, look at Kenseth, not with a ride. Uh, Danica, I mean, not no real loss, but I mean, you look. Bubba Wallace was in the top ten, and he would have been in the playoffs in the Xfinity Series last year, no doubt. But the sponsorship dried up, and Roush closed the doors. Um, look at the um, Red Horse Racing, always a competitive team, and they wound up closing their doors just because sponsorship wasn't there. It's getting to the point where we almost—I mean, every time they say we need to save money, we need to save money. They end up saving money. I mean, how much are they taking off and with only five people over the wall this year and only so many people allowed to be at the track as part of the team? You know what? They're going to spend that money on more simulation. So 
Probably. It's sort of like the baseball owners when they used to say, save us from ourselves because they put the competitive balance tax in, but then the Yankees go out and spend $250 million or the Dodgers spend $300 million to try to buy a championship. And it's a team that did development that worked themselves in, like the Houston Astros, who built from within in a couple pieces at the end of the year, they win the World Series. So it's one of those things, if you can't stop them from um, outspending what they need to because they're going to find some other way. You take away tra- testing, they do more simulation. You take away this amount, something on this, we're going to do more uh, wind tunnel time. You take away the way they play with the body because of the uh, LIS and the new inspection stuff coming in. They're going to find new ways to get into it. I mean, it's as simple as a guy, the jackman, bumping into the fender intentionally, accidentally, and they end up getting more downforce out of it or being able to pick up a tenth on the track. That's how that's how close it is. So they're going to keep trying to spend money and money and more money to get that tenth, two tenths to find a way to beat somebody. It is. And, and you know, when you talk about the truck series, that, that's a good point as far as Brad Kosowski racing. He talked about it shutting down. That was a, that was a sad news earlier last year uh, when they talked about that. You had Red Horse Racing, which you discussed on, you know, a bunch of truck teams closing their doors and it looks like, um, you know, there's not going to be nearly as many competitive trucks as there were a year ago. Uh, and that, to me, is where the shame of it is all, because that's where you breed your 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 drivers. I mean, Toyota's done a nice job, as he mentioned, bringing up young kids. You have Christopher Bell, who's in their camp. Uh, William Byron was in their camp. Um, you know, you got uh, Noah Gregson in their camp. they got a lot of nice young drivers. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Daniel Suarez was, was a Toyota product. Uh, Kyle Larson first was started off at Toyota. So they're doing a good job. And that was an interesting point he brought up uh, about the fact that manufacturers are sort of the ones in control here as far as um, where development's going to go. You know, and it has. It's been a a turn where we've seen from teams really developing their own drivers to now manufacturers developing their own drivers. Um, So it's very interesting to see how this is, how it's going to happen. I mean, talent still prevails at the end of the day in some cases, but in other cases it doesn't. You know, we've seen uh, some people who struggled last year get into better rides in the Xfinity Series because they have sponsorship behind them. Uh, you know, but then you look at a, a situation where Ryan Truex, who had a very good year in the Truck Series last year, didn't want to race, uh, and he moves to a top-tier ride in the Xfinity Series next year uh, with Colleague Racing in number 11. Now, he brings some funding with him, and that had a lot to do with that move, but here's a nice young driver who a lot of people feel like needs an opportunity to prove himself to win some races. Ryan Truex is going to have the opportunity to do that next year, John. Uh, like I said, moving to the they have a, a, an affiliation with Richard Childress Racing and their chassis and engines. He replaces Blake Cook, who didn't do a horrible job in that car, but, um, you know, just I think there were still some people who thought, who expected more from that team. Um, but it's funny with these teams who are, not funny, I, sh- I should use a different word, but it's interesting how these teams uh, who are, owners and sponsorship driven where they bring their the owners bring their own sponsorships. You know, we saw it with Bobby Ginn, the cup series a bunch of years ago. Um, and we see it all over the place where they get in head over heels, throw a lot of money on it. And then they realize, Oh boy, I don't know if I should do that. And then they start to look at other resources to bring in money. I think that was a situation here with Calig racing. Uh, you know, the owner of that team owns Lee filter and Lee filter was on that car the last two years. And I think he realized it was a little bit more expensive. This NASCAR deal, than what he originally thought. 
And so now he has to bring in some extra funding, and here comes Ryan Truex into the 11 car and replacing Blake Cook, who had a great relationship with the team. Um, but what are your thoughts on that Ryan Truex move? Uh, you know, like I said, was in at Hattori Racing last year, and the Truck Series did a decent job. Uh, it was announced last week that he wasn't going to return to that team. A lot of people scratched their heads and said, why, why wouldn't they bring him back? He did such a good job. We figured out this weekend why he's not coming back running for college racing here in 2018. Yeah, I think um, if you look at the way things are, Furniture Row is one of those few places where it worked, where Barney Visser kept sinking his own money and sponsoring his own car. I mean, Furniture Row Racing's been around, what, seven, eight years now, close to 10. And this is the first year that Barney Visser's Furniture Row is not on the hood or the quarter panels. He finally has somebody sponsoring the car, and it took him winning a championship to do it. Um, I think it's a great move for Ryan Truex. Um, He's one of those guys you and I have talked about for a couple years now who have the talent but don't have the dollars behind them like other people do. I mean, I like Harrison Burton. He's going to be a good little driver, but he's got sponsorship dollars behind him. Um, You look at Brandon McReynolds. He's proven himself as a solid driver and never got the chance. Corey LaJoy went out and proved himself that he was a decent driver in crappy equipment last year and doesn't have any dollars behind him. Chase Elliott came with, I mean, he had errands whenever he was coming up through the Hendrick series, I mean, the Hendrick development stuff, wound up getting Napa in the Xfinity series for junior motorsports and bringing Napa with him to the cup series. Chase Elliott brought money to the table. So, I mean, it's one of those things. If you have money behind you, you're going to get, the good rides, and if what he's trying to scrap together whatever he can, if he's going to spot for a couple races, probably work in the shop for a couple teams to make sure he's able to still get to the track, get himself noticed, to try to hang on to his dream. When there are probably people out there who have half the talent that Austin Terrio has and are going to be in good rides. Ryan, Ryan Truex isn't one of those guys. Uh, I think the difference between, like when you're looking at Leaf Filter, the guy who owns the team, um, he put two years of expenses into that team and he's built it up pretty well. But that's a hell of an investment. And Leaf Filter isn't one of those companies. It isn't a Fortune 500 company. So he's put a lot of his own dollars, a lot of his own profits, and he's going to want to make a buck here and there because that's the American way. So if somebody Absolutely. else is bringing money to the table – and Ryan Truex is just as good, if not a better driver than Blake Cook, it's a win. It's not like he's going backwards to get somebody bringing money to the table. I think he's at least even, if not a little bit ahead. I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the finances are concerned, for sure. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the way it goes now here in 2018 in NASCAR and, and in motorsports. You know, and I think the thing that bothers me the most about the Austin Terrio not having a, a full-time deal or, or uh, you know, something that he can announce right now um, is the fact that he won races, you know. And that's the thing. It's not like he just ran good and did a good job. He he dominated that series last year. And that's the thing I had the problem with is, you know, he did everything he was supposed to do. He did everything he could. I mean, what else do you want this, this guy to do uh, to get a, a full-time ride at the next level? Well, you know, he did everything he could do. He won seven races, finished out of the top ten once last year. So I think that's the, the frustrating, most frustrating part to me. It's not like he just 
you know, has talent and he and he didn't win races and he was in a in a car that um, you know, where he could only run in the top ten, you say, Well, it's hard to put on a piece of paper, it's hard to show to the potential sponsors that he was successful last year because they don't understand the sport as far as this team's got more money than this team. He's got that on a piece of paper. You know, he's got those stats to show, hey, I dominated. Look, I finished in the top, in the top 10 19 times out of 20 races last year, and he still is not able to get a full-time ride. That, to me, is the, the really, really unfortunate situation. Um, but to, to, to bring it back to Ryan Truex here a little bit, it's an interesting move. I mean, again, this was something I think a lot of people didn't expect. Um, he, like I said, he was at um, Hattori Motorsports, that team last year, Hattori Racing Enterprises. Uh, in the truck series, a lot of people expect him to go back there. I think everybody expected Blake Cook to go back. Um, but this is an opportunity for Ryan Truex now. You know, he's had a little bit of opportunity. He ran for Joe Gibbs a little bit in the in the, uh, in the Xfinity series. You know, um, did a decent job, like I said, last year in trucks. But here's his shot now. It's not a premier ride. It's not something you sit there and go, oh, it's not Richard Childress Racing. But it's a team that's that's very competitive. And if he can go out there and run very good, this is an opportunity for Ryan Truex right now. So this is what all the Ryan Truex fans have been waiting for, uh, for it to come, a very competitive Xfinity Series ride to show what he can do. Uh, 2018 is a big year for Ryan Truex, John. Yeah, Ryan Truex is going into a car that made the playoffs last year. Blake Cook made the playoffs. Ryan Truex is going into a playoff car. Ryan Truex is going to be expected to compete for a championship. And Ryan Truex, I mean, I think he jumped the gun a little early whenever he came up and ran for BK Racing um, a couple years ago and realized that he's in crap equipment and he's sort of in over his head and wound up going way backwards, trying to get, I mean, going through Hattori Racing to get to the truck series. And he was respectable there. I mean, he was one position away from qualifying for the chase or for the playoffs in the truck series. He finished second in the final race before the truck series playoffs. So he was really close to making the playoffs there. He's a good driver. He was matched up well with uh, uh, Scott Zipidelli over at Hattori Racing. They had a great year together. Because Hattori Racing isn't that well-funded compared to the Kyle Busch Motorsports or the um, GMS Racing or um, Thorsport. They made the best with what they have. I think he's going to do well. Uh, in the Xfinity series, because if you think about it, you got junior motorsports, you've got the one car from Joe Gibbs racing, who's going to go for the championship. And that's about all you got to worry about. And then you got, I mean, you've got Ryan Reed with Roush and you've got um, the double zero um, Cole Custer. Custer for Stuart Haas. But there, I mean, if you think about it, the 12 cars that are going to make the playoffs, you pretty much know who they're going to be when the season starts. And that's one of the 12 you expect to be in the playoffs. Absolutely. And I think last year, Richard Childress Racing was a team that was competing for the uh, playoffs. They had five teams last year. This year they're going to have three. Um, and and I think only two running for the championship with Matt Tiff and um, uh, Daniel Hemrick. So it just, it just shows you, you know, last year they had four guys trying to run for the championship out of that organization last year. So you're right. The competition will be, it'll be very interesting to see in the Xfinity series. Um, you know, also, you know, you look at a guy like Joey Gase, who this was announced as well this week, where Go Green Racing is, is venturing into the NASCAR Xfinity Series next year. Uh, Archie St. Hilaire was on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio this week, and it, it sounded like he expects that team to make the chase. Uh, Gase is a guy, a guy who ran for 
uh, a low-budget team in Jimmy, Jimmy Means Racing the last few years. He's, he's ventured into the Cup Series a little bit uh, with Go Green, with uh, Go Fast Racing, um, you know, BK Racing last year a little bit as well. But now he's going to run full-time in the, in the Xfinity Series. It's going to be interesting to see what that team does. Now, it sounds like that team might move to Chevrolet. Uh, he, he mentioned an, an affiliation with uh, SS Greenlight Racing and Bobby Dotter, the uh, 07 team, and they also had, um, I believe, the 99 car last year as well. Uh, they ran a little bit. Um, so they're going to have an association with that team. Um, we'll see as far as how they compete. I mean, a, a team in their first year in Xfinity, it sounds like it's going to be their only year in Xfinity. Archie St. Hilaire said basically the next next the goal for Joey Gase is to get him in the Cup Series next year, and they tried to get him in the Cup Series this year, but they couldn't get a charter. They couldn't get their hands on a charter. So uh, very interesting to see that happen. What are your expectations for Joey Gase um, and in that 35 car for next season? I think Joey Gase is a quality driver. Uh, he made the best of what he had driving for Jimmy Means. He was respectable. He doesn't tear up equipment very much. Um, so. And that's one of the things when you're going in the Xfinity, going for the championship. If you keep the wheels on the car and you keep the fenders on the car and you stay respectable top 15s, you're going to make the playoffs because there are so many times where you've got Kyle Busch running races. You've got Denny Hamlin running races. You've got Eric Jones running races. You've got Austin and Ty Dillon running races. You've got so many other cup drivers coming down you got daniel suarez running races so you got some cup guys coming down you got keselowski and joey logano coming down take some races at penske same with uh ryan blaney so you got these cup drivers who could take a lot of wins so if you can stay top 10 top 15 you're going to make the playoffs and you're going to have a shot at the championship and joey gase is one of those guys who can do that absolutely and i think when you look at um that series, you mentioned that. I think it's going to be, you know, he's got a good shot at making it, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280 here at Talking Circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight. Uh, interesting little tidbit here I found on the Internet tonight. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was at a, an event, and he was chatting uh, about the new rule package at the restrictor play tracks this year. He said that speeds could be up close to 20 to 25 miles per hour this year. Um, last year's pole speed for the Daytona 500, John, was about 191 miles an hour. That means at 20 to 25 miles per hour faster, the pole speed this year could be 211 to 216. Um, and in the draft, they might even be going faster than that. Uh, first of all, he said that's what simulations would tell it, are telling us. I, I, I personally think um, that's not. We're not going to see that. They would fix the restrictor plate to keep them down 291 miles an hour. But the way Jimmy was talking, John, it sounds like NASCAR is expecting these cars to go a little bit faster, on a significant amount faster, on these super speedways. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, let's see. The record for a lap on a super speedway is Bill Elliott at 212 at Talladega. lawsuit at Daytona from whenever Austin Dillon went in the stands at the, at the uh, Coke, Coke Zero 400, not this July, the July before. So NASCAR, if the if Jimmy Johnson's right with a simulation saying it's 20 to 25 mile an hour faster, now 
like you said, the pole speed was like 191, 192 last year. But they're running 200 mile an hour in the draft. So if you end up going 20 to 20 mile now, 20 to 25 mile an hour faster, they're running 220, 225 in the draft. Somebody's going to die in the crowd. They can make the cockpit as safe as they can. And Jimmy Johnson was talking about some of the safety improvements that they've made to the cockpit. NASCAR hasn't really said that there's going to be rule changes. Now, Jimmy Johnson said there's not going to be ride height requirements for uh, the restrictor plate races, which will, is probably what's causing the um, speeds to go up. And they made uh, safety improvements to the cockpit. They made safety improvements to try to keep the ground on whenever they fast. But if one gets airborne, I mean, when Austin Dillon w- went into the fence at Daytona, it wasn't because he spun. It's because somebody spun in front of him, and he just went like an evil Knievel, drove up over the hood, and boom, he went flying into the fence and took out half of the grandstand fence. I don't know if there's a fence that can hold 3,500-pound car going 230 mile an hour. Somebody could right. die. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, you know, and that's why I have a hard time believing that NASCAR will let the speeds get that high. Um, but again, the way Johnson was talking, he would know a lot better than I would. It sounds like they expect these cars to go a little bit more faster. You know, saying, well, we got safer cockpits, like I mentioned, you know. And listen, I'm all for driver safety. There's no doubt about that. You know, we all, I remember where I was, you know, on, on uh, the day Dale Earnhardt passed in 2001. Um, you know, and I, nobody wants to feel that ever again. Uh, you know, that's that sickening feeling you had in your stomach uh, of that day. So I'm all for driver safety, but I'm also all for fan safety. You know, when these restrictor plates were put on these cars, uh, it was because of an accident that went into the stands. Bobby Allison, uh, you know, blew right rear tire and got airborne and took out the catch fence on the front straightaway, um, and they decided to put restrictor plates on the race cars from that point forward. Uh, and at least slow the cars down, they, they made a uh, – you know, lower, smaller carburetor at first, then put restrictor plates on, and they've had restrictor plates on ever since. Now, with the packages, with the way we've seen it, with the, with the big packs, a lot of people would argue the big packs are more dangerous than uh, than running by yourself. And you can make an argument for sure. But, you know, I was there in, what was that, 2012 when Kyle Larson's car got airborne into in the Xfinity Series race. And I'll tell you what, I was far away from where where it happened as far as the grandstands were concerned. But, you know, I was walking out of that race and passing people who, you know, had cuts to their arms and, and getting wheeled away on, on, on uh, stretchers and, and all because they came to watch a race. And that was scary. You know, when you look at it and you say, that could have been me if I purchased tickets in the, in the sprint tower. Um, so that was a really, really scary situation and one that I didn't want to ever experience it. Don't ever want to experience again. Um, and you mentioned the Austin Dillon wreck. That was another one where, you know, you heard Dillon Hunt Jr. on his radio that night say, Oh my gosh, you know, I mean, that was a scary, scary wreck. And when you get into the grandstand, when you get the catch fence, sure. Catch fences are there for a reason. Um, and they're there to prevent the fans, but we aren't, you know, look what happened with the Kyle Larson situation where we had an engine parts going, go into the stands a tire going to the stands, you know, that's when it gets really, really dangerous. And I hope that uh, what Jimmy's saying is, is, you know, it, it could t- definitely be true whether it's 20 miles an hour faster, but NASCAR figures out a way to keep them slower, whether they reduce the hole in the restrictor plate significantly 
Uh, I'm not sure what that would do to the racing, but, you know, I'll tell you, I, I think it's, it's to me, you have to look at it and say you have to slow those cars down because if they are run at 220, uh, it's, it's a very scary situation, no doubt about it. And the thing is, with slowing the cars down puts them in a bigger pack, and the bigger pack gives you, I mean, there are some people who buy rides who have inferior equipment who really shouldn't be on the track and they make the smallest mistake. Well, hell you've got guys like Jamie McMurray, who is a good solid driver, been a solid driver for years, but when he gets a restrictor plate, he loses his brain. And half the time he's part of the reason the field gets crashed because he's trying to be aggressive, trying to get himself to the front, trying to get his next contract and say, I won this race. And somehow, some way, gets the wrong move. I mean, hell, look, my favorite driver of all time, Tony Stewart at Talladega, trying to block to keep the lead and took out half the field from the lead. So it can happen anywhere, and it can happen to the best drivers in the tr- in the field. So I just think they need they need to slow it down, but they need to find a way to make sure they can break the cars up. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, uh, and and that is part of the reason why I think it's important to have. You know, I miss preseason thunder a little bit because you you, you could break this down a little bit. Where if you know what the simulations are, are saying are true, and obviously NASCAR has would have the same you know, research and the same information that these teams are having. Um, you know, so they could see all this and they would create the rules. But you don't know what happens if they get on the race track. Uh, and if we had preseasons under, we could at least taste a little bit, work on the package. I just don't want to get into a situation where we get into uh, speed weeks and the package is boring or, um, you know, it, nobody can go anywhere because they slowed the cars down so much and they got such a big hole in the restrictor plates you can't go anywhere. Um, that's what I would not like to – That's that would, I think, be a, a bad, bad situation, as well as being too fast. So you've got to find the right mix. And I think having an extra time on a racetrack would do that. So, um, you know, I, I've kind of missed preseason thunder – as far as that's concerned, because I think it would really help in situations like this. 917-889-8280 here. Talking in circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you. Uh, another interesting piece that came out today, John, was uh, Brett Dewar was on uh, MRN's um, show with Mike Bagley, uh, NASCAR Live. And one of the many topics he discussed, there's plenty of topics he discussed, and we'll touch on a few of them, one of them was the status of Monster Energy, the series title sponsor, which uh, they signed prior to the 2017 season in December 2016. Dewar said, quote, they signed late in the season. I worked with them very closely in bringing them to the sport. They are just looking – they were looking to have a full season. They had until December 31st to determine if an agreement was renewal. We've given them an extension. Now, we know that th- that uh, the deal was reported that it was a two-year deal with a two-year option, and, and they had an, a uh, – they want NASCAR ideally wanted them to pick up the option prior to uh, December 2016, which you can understand – or 2017, excuse me, which you can understand because they have to have time if they're looking for a new sponsor to get the new sponsor, uh, you know, make all the materials and do everything they can. But they've granted them an extension on that. Um, so Monster Energy is still not sure whether or not they're going to come around for the 2019 and 2020 season. I, I, th- I know there's been some confusion for fans. Uh, they are locked into the 2018 season. So they will go – Monster Energy is locked into the 2018 season, but we're talking about 2019 and 2020 
that's the option they haven't picked up here yet, John. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? I think one of the things NASCAR did whenever they were desperate to get Monster Energy as this, or get a title sponsor is they took $20 million a year is what has been reported many different times in many different places from everybody except Monster and NASCAR. And Dale Jr. was getting $30 million to sponsor the 88 car. And I think that sort of kicked in the um, sponsors going, hey, you want $20 million to sponsor the car. I'm looking at Monster paying $20 million to sponsor the whole series. Uh, We need to change our business model. And you see drivers like Matt Kenseth, who thinks he's worth three to $4 million a year to drive the car. Matt Kenseth's a cup champion and Matt Kenseth is a cha- is a playoff driver every year. But Joe Gibbs is saying, Hey, I can't get enough money to pay for the car and you Eric Jones is a hell of a lot cheaper. We're going to go that route. I think monster energy. I think NASCAR sort of shot themselves in the foot. I watched the world of outlaws do this. The one year they went without a title sponsor because they didn't get as much as they expected or what they hoped for. So they went a whole year without a title sponsor. NASCAR panicked because I think in the tower down at Daytona Beach, all they're doing is trying to figure out how many greenbacks they can count. I don't think they looked at the overall health of the sport. I think they looked at lining the pockets of the people who own NASCAR and ISC, and I think that's a big problem behind it. I think if you look down the road, Monster's going to have to make a decision probably before the Daytona 500. Sprint gave NASCAR almost two years to find the title sponsor. And they didn't find the title sponsor until right before the banquet, whenever Sprint was going away. So I think NASCAR, if they're not already looking for the next title sponsor, is stupid. And I think if NASCAR is trying to get more money out of Monster... I think they're stupid because Monster's saying, hey, we gave you $20 million bucks for two years. Ratings are down. Attendance is down. Do you think I'm paying more? So NASCAR kind of shot themselves in the foot with this whole deal. It's interesting. There's a lot of aspects to it. The only thing that I think sort of works in their favor, if there's anything, is that they had the dialogue with these companies last year. Um, so with the, with the two-year deal that they signed, you know, it's not like you're 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 starting the negotiations from scratch. You know, you had two years ago and say, hey, listen, if you go to which was reported at one time, uh, the KSC parent company, hey, you know, two years ago we were in this situation. Here's where we were he- there. Let's start here and work from there. So I think that is one thing that that they have. It's not like they they had a sponsor in there for 20 years and they haven't done this. And that's where I think Sprint gave them a, a good amount of time to let them know that they were leaving. Um, but they only did this two years ago. So that's something I think uh, that plays in their ha- hands a little bit, um, that is so fresh in their in everybody's minds. Another interesting topic, not that, you know, we could dive all day into the, to the series sponsorship woes, but another very interesting topic I want to touch on before tonight's show ends is the manufacturers. Um, you know, Mike Bagley asked them on NASCAR Live about uh, manufacturers and if any might come down the road. Right now we have Chevy, Ford, and Toyota. Uh, the last time we had four or more manufacturers was in 2012 when Dodge was part of the sport. Dewar said nothing to announce right now on the manufacturer front. We've had uh, Canes to come in. The earliest we would be able to join, one would be able to join is 2020. We have entries that ramp, that ramps that come in. We have been in conversations with a number of manufacturers. The platform is strong and it shows 
a good ORI potential for manufacturers to bring their products and come race, race with us. Um, you know, he also said that the ideal, in his eyes, the ideal number of manufacturers is right around four or five, which I agree with. Um, so what are your thoughts on that, John? You know, who who might be the potential? You know, we, we there, there's still some whispers about Dodge, obviously not coming in in 2019. Now, Dewar says it's going to be 2020. Whispers about Dodge still being a little bit interested. Uh, there's some whispers maybe about Kia. Uh, Nissan was a bunch of years ago. Honda a bunch of years ago. Um, what are your thoughts on that, and, and what are your thoughts on, on the manufacturers? You know, and the big thing is, John, is these engines. That's That, to me, is the biggest thing with these manufacturers. They're going to have to find somebody to build their engine. Well, the other part I'm looking at is if you look at what they're doing in the truck series, they're looking at going with the Ilmore Kid engine, and they're possibly talking about doing with that with the Xfinity series. What's the return on investment for a manufacturer to come in it costs a hell of a lot of money to get involved i mean i don't even want to know how much money was in that brinks truck that went Stuart haas racing to get them to go from chevy to ford for you to come up brand new you're going to need one a or a um top-notch motorhead to figure out how to do things and build your program from the bottom up like Ray Evernham did when they brought Dodge into the sport. The thing is, Ray Evernham was great at building the organization with the driver, car, engine, all that good stuff. Ray Evernham wasn't the businessman that Rick Hendrick is, and it wound up showing because Evernham Motorsports went away. I think... I don't know why a new manufacturer would come in with the possibility of looking at the crate engine. If you're going to be a Ford, you want to run a Ford engine, not a Ilmore crate engine and put a Ford body on it and say, Hey, look what we did. No, we want to develop. I mean, part of the reason the manufacturers got into racing was to develop what we do in what we have in our cars. We drive on the roads. Some of the safety factors that we have came from NASCAR. The fuel injection, that came on their own. NASCAR finally caught up to it. But the anti-lock brakes, the different things they have in our cars, came from developing through NASCAR and through motorsports. And that's why the manufacturers get into motorsports. The reliability of our engines that we have in our cars. I mean, you remember, we used to be lucky to get 70,000 miles out of a car. Now we're running 150, 200,000 miles. Why is that? Because they're building racing engines that can go 500 miles and never think of blowing. And then turn that, refurbish that engine and run it again another week. So the things that they're learning in motorsports transfer to the cars we drive. And win on Sunday, sell on Monday is not the same if it's a Ford body and an Ilmore engine and people like us know about it. And another interesting point, not only the engine. Um, but this was a problem with the COT, a big problem with the COT, and people forget this. And, I, and I, I'm convinced. I don't care what anybody says. But the reason why we are in a Gen 6 race car right now and not with, still running with the COT is because Chevy threatened to pull their support from Hendrick Motorsports. Um, that was reported, I remember, right when that was happening. They said, you know, Chevy came along and said, listen, there's no brand identity anymore with these COTs. You, can, you, you, know, you can't tell the difference between a Ford, Chevy, and a Toyota. We want brand identity back. Um, and so they said, okay, we'll give you brand identity, 
and they've done that with the Fords having a different nose, the Chevrolet having a different nose, and Toyota having a different nose. Um, with the composite bodies in the Xfinity series, they got to be careful because you don't want these cars to look too much the same because of the fact that we just gave it to them. You bring up a good point. You know, um, in the truck series, there's some Toyota support there, uh, but right now there is no major Ford team in the truck series this year, at least that we know of. Uh, whether or not a team and gets Ford support and it's a Ford, the main Ford team remains to be seen. But right now, um, you know, almost a, a month, just over a month until the truck series run at Daytona, we don't have a major tr- Ford team in the truck series. So that makes you sit there and go, okay, well, they're pulling out of the truck series, the Fords are. Um, you know, if they don't get the brand identity in Xfinity, or if you bring up composite bodies and crate engines into the Cup Series eventually, I'm talking five, ten years down the road, will there be enough brand identity for these manufacturers to keep putting their money, this, their money into this sport? Um, so that's something to keep in mind. You have to think about that if you're NASCAR and you're uh, the people making the decisions that you know Chevrolet threatened. And listen, that's all they needed because Rick Hendrick went, whoa, 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 they're threatening, and we had a, new, a whole new race car because of that reason. So not only not only engines, John, but composite bodies as well. Yeah, I think the whole thing shows that the manufacturers, if they want to, can control the car coming after the car of tomorrow. It wound up giving some sort of brand identity. But I think the manufacturers are going to say, if we're going to be in there, we want our engines. We don't want somebody else who isn't even part of our program. I don't want to put uh, Kyle Larson in a Chevy with an Ilmore engine. I don't want to put uh, Kevin Harvick in a Ford with an Ilmore engine. I want to make sure that my guys are selling my products and not something else. I think one of the things Ford's missing the boat on, I mean, you look at Toyota. They have the Thor Sport team. They have Kyle Busch Motorsports. Toyota puts a bunch of money into the truck series to develop their drivers. I mean, you look how many young, young kids have come through Kyle Busch Motorsports, and now they're about ready to populate the Cup Series. Um, Ford's missing that boat by not having a truck series team because they only have, I mean, in reality, you've got the one locked-in Roush team. You've got the one locked-in Stuart Haas team with the other part-timer with the 98, and you've got the uh, one locked-in Penske team there aren't that many places for Ford, Ford drivers to develop. So whenever you get the Harvicks retiring, you get the Clint Boyers retiring, you get the Kurt Busch's retiring, there's nobody there to fill their slots from Ford drivers. Yeah, they have, and they have a one ride for three drivers in the Xfinity Series this year coming up in that 60 car with Austin Sindrick, uh, Chase Briscoe, and Ty Majeski. So you absolutely nailed the, uh, hit the nail on the head there with there's not a whole lot of seats right now for their young drivers to develop. Uh, I want to thank Austin Terrio again for coming on the show. Tough circumstances with, you know, uh, the, the Kenny Schrader racing announcing they went with a different driver for 2018. I appreciate him coming on. It was it was great insight he gave us, John, into that. Uh, we'll be back here next week, you know, getting ready for the Daytona 500, getting ready with the latest news in NASCAR. Chili Bowl, if you like some racing, that's this week as well. Uh, I know John's going to be keeping a close eye on that. Um, and we'll see you here next week on Talking Circles. Uh, be sure to like our Facebook page. Like us on Twitter as well um, if you like what you heard tonight. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time.